The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. You know what's killer about having Marco on right now is the fact that I've got I've, I've got my yeah keep booing shirt on. Yeah, buddy, it's friggin' beautiful. I've got my Space City hat on. Yeah, yeah. Is it weird that I'm wearing my own quote on my chest right now? No, I think that's what fame and uh, and do I have to say <laughs> it again? Say it. Yeah, keep booing, keep booing. As you're as the analyst Jeff Blum, you're like, yes, well, you know, it's going to be a tough series. There's going to be some pitching, and then and then as a fan who has a chance, like a rooting interest to get another ring, you're like, yeah, <laughs> kicked your ass, Garrett. You went for the wrong side. You're on the dark side now, Mister. Yeah. We got you. Freaking you know what's losers. funny? We'll get into it, but man, Garrett Cole, I I feel for that guy when he made the pitch, they clanked the ball in right field, and then they showed the highlight, and when they came back, and he's like, hey, don't worry about it. I'll pick you up. And then, did you see that? Did you see him show the highlight? He's, yep. he's like, I got you. Dude, McCormick, <laughs> I mean, I faced Pudge Rodriguez a few times. McCormick has the most inside out, go the other way, like swing I've ever seen. He'll swing Scissor that thing right. I bet, he, yeah. I, I, bet he gets, I bet he gets a couple catchers interference every year. I haven't seen the stat. But he swings like so late. Just I'm going to try and hit the right field foul pole. It's <laughs> amazing, just, man. He's I don't admitted know how he to does it too. It. Like I've had conversations with him. You know, he he's an interesting kid. He's you know he's he, he's excitable. Uh, he loves a game, but you know, like he, the it's odd to see a guy with his power going the other way. But he recognizes that, and he's kind of he's created this swing like you're talking about, where he will drive it the other way, and he will purposely almost his back foot almost goes away from the ball as his swing is going towards the inside corner, being able to launch it the other way. And that's what's, it's crazy to me, but you know, it's another thing. It's what's your, what's your strength? Are you, I mean, in baseball, I felt like, you know, I tried, I wasn't very good at hitting a fastball away and going the other way with it. So I, I crowded the plate and said, screw it. I'm going to lift to the pull side. I'll make it a middle, middle pitch by crowding the plate. Cause I know you can't beat me inside, but Chaz is the opposite where he's kind of like, I can't. I'm not good to the pull side, but I've got such good lag that I'm just going to try and create every pitch that I can drive the other way. But it's very unique. But he's he's done a good job at that, man. It's yeah, good, it's good like witnessing Jim, by you. Hey, just like well, hey, as a pitcher, you got to look at how to pitch these guys. And I remember trying to p- pitch to Pudge. And to your point, like I I knew my yeah. strength was a hard sinker when I was pitching, and I got away from it way too much. Like now in hindsight, right? Like it was like, mm-hmm. dude, guys don't like the ball moving, and it's good and hard, and like you know, late movement, they just don't like it. So even if it's their strength, you bring up a really good point because I was watching Rizzo, and Rizzo is a professional hitter, but he gets right on the dish, and he mm-hmm. wants the ball. I mean, he knows what his zone is and he knows he doesn't handle certain things well so I mean he does turn on the ball well but I'm just saying he knows guys 
it's such a fine line for pitchers to stay on the inside, like two inches right there. Yeah, it's really difficult. And so once he gets you into a spot, he's you know, I mean, he's he's basically giving away that little piece. And if you can do it time after time after time, you win. But we saw in the series that you know he's a professional hitter, and he was the one guy that I think the good pitching staff of the Astros struggled with because he was willing to take the ball the other way and willing to swing late and willing to give up stuff. So anyway, we're right into the analysis without covering anything. I, what's on what, tap and fantasy football and everything else podcast man i like that there you go a little yeah. chop it up you know talking about Chaz and the swing and some of the recognition that tuttle has as a pitcher watching a guy who really forces the ball the other way and then adapting right into what another guy does in anthony rizzo so i appreciate that that's why you show up in the bleachers here on the bleacher blums podcast i am jeff blum co-host of this podcast my good friend david tuttle who you've been listening to is on the other end out there on the left coast and the left coast has been eliminated with the san diego padres going down to the philadelphia phillies our Houston Astros down here in uh, the third coast have advanced to their what is man fourth World Series in six years. What are we doing? Six ALCSs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what they're doing. We'll we'll get into it later. So what's on tap? Brought to you by Saner. Obviously, World Series talk. We can break down some of that. Uh, the, the Yankees' demise. What they're doing up there, and the potential of Aaron Judge. And I keep hearing more of this. I was just in Northern California. The potential of Aaron Judge not being a Yankee. Uh, we've got fantasy football updates because this was a big week for the uh, for the bangers out here on the third course, third coast, going up against Prestige Worldwide out there on the <laughs> left co- left coast. Um, it was an epic matchup between rosters that were a little beat up. And uh, what else you got on tap? Brought to you by Saint Arnold Tuttle. I know you got some ideas in that skull. Yeah, no, I, th- you covered most of it. Fantasy football, World Series. Uh, I wanted to cover the NBA. The NBA started. No, I'm joking. We're gonna go. N- <laughs> we're gonna go. Been into the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go deep into the NBA and the season that <laughs> Russell Westbrook has started. No, we. That's not yeah, what you tune into this for. The, don't turn your radio off. Yeah, I do. I please don't. But I do want. I do want to ask you a couple questions about the Astros uh, off season already, because um, mm-hmm. you know you've hinted at some things, and I don't know what we're allowed to discuss on on air. And you have opinions, so I'm going to ask out. you a couple questions. Yeah, about Mr. Click and Mr. Baker, and like, what do we think about? It kind of leads into what you said about four out of six years they're in the World Series, different managers, different management, but same old result, and uh, where where we're headed actually as an organization, and what it means. We always talk about dynasties in football like bill belichick's the greatest coach of all time and you know i mean what does it mean for the astros future so i definitely want to uh, touch on that with you and i know you'll have some insight and maybe we can talk about a moose bouche or something like that too i don't know yeah i mean gosh we've gone we've gone the culinary route straight into the world series but uh we can talk a little bit about the, the the Padres appearance. They they've I think they've I don't know what happened. They finally got exposed or whatever it was, but they just did not play good baseball. Uh they got out hit. The Phillies how about are, are the Phillies that one team that we always talk about in a in a postseason, whether it be NBA, NFL, uh March Madness, that just they're good. Didn't play. They played good enough to get in. They're a good team, but they played good enough to get in in a tough National League East. But is there something to be said? And I think they're the perfect example of it. And it gives me a little bit of trepidation going into the World Series. Is there something to be said about a team that is hot at the right time that creates the belief that they can win it all? Absolutely. I mean, I don't even know if that's a question. It's funny because you were going to bring up the Padres, and I was thinking, I don't think it was an exposure of the Padres. I, th- I mean, you Darvish pitched fine. Everybody was, you know, kind of on point. What mm-hmm. I criticized about the Phillies when we first saw them was I thought they were Aaron Nola and that was it. And now I forgot they had Wheeler. Wheeler was one Dude, of the hot free agents two or three years ago. Right. So. So now you have Wheeler and Nola, so two frontline starters. Sounds familiar, yep. right? And then, so my that would be my concern. So we have the 2019 Washington Nationals. They won the World Series. The Atlanta Braves last year won the World Series. What do they have in common with the Philadelphia Phillies? They were hot at the right time, and guys seem to be pulling for each other. And that's the only thing that gives me, you brought up the word, word of the day, folks, trepidation. The only thing that gives me (laughs) trepidation going into the World Series, because, you know, you needed Jordan and, and, you know, 
a couple last minute heroics to get past the Mariners. And now it looks like you guys are steamrolling. You know, they haven't lost a game in the postseason, that being the Houston Astros. And um, and I'm I I I think it's gonna be a fantastic World Series. Um, you know, pitching around Bryce Harper may not get you to the Reese Hoskins that you uh, that you think Damn. you wanted to face. And mm-hmm. and the Padres, I don't know how much you watched while you were away this weekend, but you know, Soto did what he had to do. Josh Bell, Drury actually had a good series. Um, oh. I think they were they were in every game. Um, but the Phillies bullpen and the hot hitting kind of carried him in. So I, I, I don't know if that was an exposure of the uh, Padres as much as it was uh, a heat check on the Phillies. And I, I don't know what you're – I mean, you must have some sort of feeling about that. You've been on hot teams before. You've been on cold teams. You kind of have a feeling. I mean, the Astros are the steady team. We mentioned four out of six World Series, uh, six out of the last six ALCSs or seven in the last eight years, something Crazy. like that. I mean, what what's – I mean – I don't know. Is is there is there their ceiling, the Astros ceiling and their consistency mm-hmm. enough to overcome the hot team, I guess would be the question. Yeah. It, it, let's start with the Phil I actually appreciate you defending yeah. the Padres and saying they're playing well because I was I was a little bit in that fandom where I was just like, come on, you guys, let's go. I wanted to see the Padres. I and wanted the Astros. to see them too, yeah. Yeah, in the World Series so bad. Obviously, selfishly, because I played for both teams, it'd be really exciting and reconnect with a lot of people that I you know, I knew in San Diego. But at the same time, they just got flat beat. They had opportunities. They did get some big swings. But at the end of the day, it was the Philadelphia Phillies that came out there and just overpowered them. Uh, you know, Philly's a tough environment to go to, but Petco Park looked amazing with it full like that and uh, fans going crazy. But you're right in the sense that they're, you know, on paper at the beginning of the season, I would imagine a lot of Philadelphia fans expected their fan expected their team to be here because, like you said, the Nick Castellanos, the Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, Carl, I mean, Kyle Schwarber. I mean, that's four of nine guys that are very notable and very good hitters, have potential all-stars. And then you sprinkle in a Gene Segura, who's a, you know, didn't do it defensively, but puts together a fantastic at bat. They've got a rookie shortstop in Stott, who I really like, and I think he plays extremely good. And then you've got Bohm over there at third base, who's kind of figured it out after he told everybody on the planet in the first month of the season that he hated Philadelphia. Now he's their kid and they love him. But they're playing a very good brand of baseball right now. It's a lot of fun to watch. They're on a heater like we're talking about, and heaters are good because confidence is high. They start moving around and relying on each other and cheering for each other. You know, it's something similar that we see with the Astros. Every time they get a hit, it seems like everybody's up over the fence in the dugout onto the field and fist pumping. And that kind of gives you the idea that the energy is being pushed in the right direction. Uh, You bring up a great point in Zach Wheeler. You know, they were talking about it on that last start he had against the Padres where all of a sudden, you know, John Smoltz sees him throwing 98 with 92, 93 mile an hour cut pieces. And you're going, wait a minute, this guy's a little amped up. Is this really who he is? And he did it for, what, five, six innings of just shoving? So I was like, okay, now you've got your bonafide number two. It's going to be a little bit different. Ranger Suarez figured it out. He started to keep the ball down and was doing okay. But how about, is there a better name in a bullpen then Sir Anthony, and you know his, his parents nailed that, and he comes out throwing a billion miles an hour, blowing guys up, and I think it's Alvarado, the left-hander that they have coming out of that bullpen. Dude, he throws he throws a hundred too. So I mean, you, we can't we can't say hundred miles an hour is a big deal anymore because we talked about it last time. The Padres had That's Suarez crazy. and they had all these guys, <laughs> but Sir Anthony, if you can get to Alvarado and Sir Anthony, you're uh, you're in good shape. I mean, exactly. you mentioned Schwarber, Schwarber. It was an intentional walk in the middle of that series, game two, I believe, or game one. Maybe that was against the Mets. There was an intentional walk, and they were like, he's 0 for 12 or something like that, and he got an intentional walk. And after that, he was on fire. He hit a ball to the moon. Dude, um, I've never seen a ball hit that far in Peco. No. Never. No. Nobody. Well, nobody has hit one that far. It was 487 (laughs) or something or 488. He crushed that ball. I mean, that ball went— yeah, that was unbelievable. So, yeah, I would agree. You know what I think, and this is a little uh, uh, shift, but you mentioned Aaron Judge at What's on Tap. But you know, Aaron Judge had a fantastic season. He's going to be a free agent this year. The world is his oyster. But as he was struggling, I think eight at bats, he had seven punch outs. He was zero for eight, mm-hmm. something like that. We all we talked about is, you know, 
all they talked about is his struggles in the postseason. Well, when somebody like Bryce Harper is hitting, you know, five home runs and 10 RBIs and, you know, nine walks and whatever he's got, they just say, oh, well, that's that's expected, you know? He's a $300 million guy that's expected. They're not talking about him like, like they did during Aaron Judge during the season. Dude, Bryce Harper is doing Barry Bonds stuff in the postseason, and nobody is really mentioning it. And we know Dude. Barry Bonds was the best baseball player on the planet. So I think it's funny when the guys that get paid well do what they're supposed to do. You know, no, everybody likes the underdog story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Mark Lemkes of the world, you know? And we're not <laughs> talking about Bryce Harper because I guess they expect it. But, man. Dude, I, I think the Astros are going to have a couple of me- team meetings, um, pitching staff meetings as you know well, this, like we yeah. used to do. Yep. And they're, I, I mean, why would you let Bryce Harper beat you? Because the teams are not letting Jordan beat them. So mm-hmm. they're going to have this battle of, so do you pitch to Schwarber or Hoskins or, like you said, go down to um, Segura? I mean, it's. I think this series is going to be, I don't know if better. If you looked at it on paper, you would say Astros in five, but I think this series is going to have a lot more uh, energy yeah. and a lot more um, close games than that. If that, if I had to, you know, make a call. I agree, and you actually bring up Bryce Harper is actually a great example of, of of how the DH in the National League can affect a team. Because if there is not that DH in the National League, guess who's not playing on a regular basis? Bryce Harper. He had that, what, he got doinked in the wrist, hand, whatever it was, broke it, broke something, and he wasn't able to play defense. But because of the DH, he's able to come back sooner and contribute. And you're right. It's funny that, you you know, he's doing this in the postseason. Everybody's like, oh, finally. How, finally? Dude, this guy's lighting it up. And he's, <laughs> granted, it's expected to be done. But at the same time, you got to appreciate the hell out of it because he is stepping up in that big moment. Manny Machado had himself a very good series, oh, yeah. too. But it was interesting yeah. to see his stat line with the home runs and the same amount of RBIs as he had home runs. I think that kind of spoke to the Padres' issue of not getting on base at the right time and getting that big hit. But the yeah. Phillies definitely got it done. Reese Hoskins, I mean, single-handedly carried these guys in a couple of games, spiking bats and firing these guys up. Uh, but the Bryce Harper is the Bryce Harper situation is actually very interesting to me because once you get to the World Series, you don't have to worry about playing in your National League park because you know Bryce Harper is going to be in that lineup as the DH, and he's done a great job. But uh, do you do you want to go to a break before we talk about the uh, the Yankees and peel that scab off for the uh, Bronx yeah. Bombers? Well, let's peel the scab off because I think it'll be great. But yeah, let's go to a break right now. (laughs) The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back. Uh, Hope the word from our sponsors treated you right. We're here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You're listening to the Bleacher Blums Podcast. You have Blummer, Jeff Blum, the color commentator for the Houston Astros, at Blummer27 on Instagram and Twitter, myself at Real David Tuttle. I'm the other guy on the left coast for this podcast. And we were just talking about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and the Padres Phillies series, but uh, wanted to get into what's going to happen maybe – in the offseason with the Yankees and how the Astros and the Yankees series went, we need to relive that a little bit. But I did want to just finish with one thought about Bryce Harper, which was, I mean, the reason Reese Hoskins was spiking the bat, and this happens, is, you know, Bryce Harper got walked in front of him, and mm-hmm. Reese Hoskins did what he was supposed to do. So I think that um, that hot streak or that team baseball element is what's going to uh, kind of be the biggest challenge for the Astros as we head into the World Series. So um, you mentioned before the break that we wanted to peel the uh, scab of the Yankees. And so I'm going to 
I'm going to throw it to you, Blum. The floor is oh. yours, as they say. And just, you said you were in Northern California. You were hearing the scuttlebutt about the we offseason, maybe Houston. with Aaron Judge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that, too. Yeah. So, Man. I mean, the, the Yankees Let's talk are, are always under the microscope. They're a little dysfunctional, I think. Um, <laughs> they are. No, they just That's are. Like, you know, no, I'm laughing because it's true. That's probably the, yeah. the p- most polite way I've heard it put, and it makes sense. Oh. But I feel like they're dysfunctional because of the way the media is, really. Like, you got to really block out the noise. Like, we know Aaron. Aaron's fine. You know, he answers the questions, right? Like, all those guys are fine. But then, you know, they just start peeling, like you said, the scab. So give me your thoughts on what the Yankees are going to do this offseason, how that series went, what the, uh, I don't know, the fandom. I mean, they, they, like you said, they they wanted the Astros to beat the Astros, obviously, in the ALCS, and uh, they didn't even come close. But there was a there was a moment on the broadcast where they cut back from break, and they showed a Yankee fan, because they would always show these disappointing, you know, you get the people like, oh, I'm a Yankee what fan. It, the, but the there was loser Cobra, what do they call this thing? Yeah, I don't know. But there was some guy yelling, like a Yankee guy with F-bombs, and they, they cut away from him really quick, but it looked like he was yelling at an Astros fan. Like, they were going to go full NFL style. Like, you can't wear a Niners shirt in a Rams, you know, in yeah. the Rams house. But it was like, that's all he had. Like, let's start a fight now, because we're five beers in, and Last we had Garrett Cole on the mound, we had the lead and all that. So anyway, so so give us your uh, give us your take on the series and how what that means going forward. I guess. So the, the, this whole Astro m- tr- machine that they have developed has been unbelievable. I know you want to hit on some topics regarding that later on, but six straight ALCSs, four World Series in the last six. I almost feel it's that it's necessary for them to win to be considered a legacy or a dynasty or whatever it is. But the fact that they are seven and zero, they're not doing it in overly dramatic fashion. I mean, it was a tight series against Seattle where you kind of felt like they were trying to get their feet under them after five days off. The pitching staff has been absolutely ridiculous in what they've been able to do. And it's it's gone from the regular season to the postseason. The only hiccup was that first start by Justin Verlander, but he corrects it and comes out and wipes out, what, 11 Yankees in his next start. Uh, the Yankees are a tough matchup. We talked about it on our podcast saying, sw- you know, big swings are good if you connect. If you're not, it's going to lead to a lot of swings and misses. And, I, you know, I think they set a record in four games with 50 strikeouts or something ridiculous. So contact wasn't there. They knew how to pitch to him. They got him. Um, everything was on the shoulders of Aaron Judge. And I think you finally started to see it in that last game of that uh, ALCS in New York where every swing, it, it his swing – looked like that bat even for him at six foot seven 250 or whatever the heck he is it finally looked like it weighed about 15 pounds trying to drag that thing through the zone and uh, I think it's incredibly incredibly ironic that the last out of this season for the New York Yankees was Aaron judge and hearing him come to the plate and hearing the Bronx faithful boo him after a 62 home run season might have sealed the fate of Aaron Judge. And there was a quote that came out today on Twitter. I was reading a couple of beat writers, you know, asking Aaron Judge about the the end of the season, the upcoming free agency after the World Series. And his quote was, I'm disappointed. I did in my time in New York, I'm disappointed I didn't have a chance to bring them a championship. That might be the last quote he has as a Yankee. And I know that being from you know, having been just in Northern California, there's a lot of chatter in the papers up there that the Giants are going to open up the bank and go get Aaron Judge. I'm really curious to see what happens. I don't know what your thoughts are on that or on the entire series, but that's kind of where I'm at at the end of the ALCS. And one more thing on the Astros, 7-0. and no, no team has swept the entire postseason, and they're four games away from doing it. There was a team, there was a team in 2005 mm. that went 11-1. and I'm just Ooh. saying. Oh, Marco. I think hey. I know that team. Hey. Oh, he's shaking his head because that was the Astros. There you go. Hey, the Astros got a game in that series, I think, right? No? No, the, the, the oh, Angels you beat lost uh, the White Sox in uh, game one of the ALCS. And that oh, was there it. you go. And then that was it. All right. That was a hot team. I remember that way back yeah, when. we were on a heater. Hey, Woo. 
Yeah, you're on a heater. You know, I, I, I've said this before. The Giants do need a cornerstone. I just, now I'm more nervous because, you know, Gabe Kapler is such a strange dude that, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's all going to work, but, I mean, I'm happy. We'll He's take him. move Judge to I, second base and hit him ninth. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, bat him ninth. <laughs> yeah, you, you bat him lead off in second. It's just not good for you. We're going to put you in the eight spot. Second cleanup, as they said in Little League, right? You're going you're gonna to be the second cleanup hitter. You're batting eight. For $450 um, million. Yeah, so that's the thing. The money will come into play. I do think I'm not a read-between-the-lines guy. Like, you know, you ask a question, and they're like, oh, but when he says, I'm disappointed I couldn't bring New York a championship, you don't know if that's context contextually like mm-hmm. – this year, like, oh, I, I wanted to bring it this year because we had such a good hot start to the season. Or, yeah, like you said, the finality of it, of, yeah. you well, know, that, in that's my me time being in the Astro York, fan so. and not enjoying the Yankees at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I get you. And, and you have a reason not to like them. I was just curious about that. And then back to what you said about the Yankees in general, they're, they're kind of a dysfunctional family. It's going to be challenging. They're always under the microscope. And, mm-hmm. you know, you and I've said this, I mean, what we're almost at podcast 200 there, there is a formula to winning in the postseason, and that would be pitching yeah. and defense. And I think the Astros showed pitching and defense wins championships or mm-hmm. at least wins a American League Championship Series. Just like Philadelphia's pitching and defense, I mean, there were a couple of games there where the home runs, the long balls got to be a big deal. But I think what carried both those teams, the Phillies especially, when I had said, you know, Aaron Nola was kind of their one guy, is Wheeler pitched great. But also you mentioned, you know, Anthony and Alvarado at the end there, Sir Anthony and mm-hmm. Alvarado at the end. So I, I think, you know, pitching and defense still wins. I don't know if the Yankees, I know for a fact the Yankees, you know, their arms like Clayton Holmes have been hurt. We talked about that. They didn't have the depth in the starting rotation. It was like Garrett Cole. If if Garrett Cole can't win a game, nobody can win a game in the, uh, you know, from the Yankees starting staff. Yeah, and Garrett, um, Garrett, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Garrett pitched great, but you can't give away outs, man. That's the idea no. behind pitching and defense is you don't give the opposing team an extra out or you take no. advantage of getting an extra out on a double play play or a bad yep. base running mistake. Garrett Cole yep. didn't get any help. No. And, you know, I touched on Rizzo too, but, but, you know, just my thoughts on that series. It was like, you know, watching Rizzo and Gurriel hit, it, they make it look so flippin' easy, and you know darn oh, God, well it's no. not easy. But Gurriel's like, oh, there's a little hole over there. Let me just swing late, and I'll just roll it through the hole. And Anthony and Rizzo was doing this. was ridiculous. You're so it right. Was. This is a good yeah on, yeah, on both teams, you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. okay, that's how you that's how you beat good pitching and defense is like, take what they give you. God, Football, so they say the same thing. But those yeah. guys really impressed me with the way they hit. But I think you're right. You, in Big league baseball, I know this too, leadoff walks. I mean, I knew as soon as the uh the the let's see, the Yankees got up three nothing. I wanted to say two nothing, three nothing. Mm-hmm. They got up three, three nothing, nothing and Nestor walked the first two guys. And I'm oh. I told my daughter who's watching baseball with me, and it's so easy when you're sitting on your couch because I was in that moment. Yeah, you know, like, you've been in that this moment. This is a life lesson right here. <laughs> yes. You cannot walk the leadoff hitter after you put up a, 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 a run. You can't freaking do it. And to of course, you know this guy in the series. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was like you could oh. you could see it coming. Now, if he got out of that or you know whatever, I know he was hurt. He has a groin injury. It would have been miraculous. But as soon as he walked that guy and he went behind um, on the next guy two zero, I think it was Tucker. He went behind two zero. I was like, uh oh, he's in big trouble. And and I think that's when we say pitching and defense. It's like, look, the pitching has to pick up the hitting. The hitting has to pick up the the, the defense and the pitching. But the Yankees were not playing. What do they say? Complementary ball, right? It's like special yeah. teams, offense and defense. They weren't playing no, complementary. Yeah, that's, true. that's exactly what it yeah. is. And I do think, this is a little side note, you could agree with this, I think. When you have Judge, who did play a lot of center field this year, and then you find your lineup, I think that was part of the error there is like, hey, the center fielder obviously has, you know, it's the hierarchy, right? The center fielder can call anything and take over the ball. The shortstop can call anybody off. Yeah. Um, we did see the pitcher and the catcher in a couple yeah, series bumped into each other. It. Yeah, like, you're right. There were a couple yeah, of weird yeah. situations. Yeah, but, you know, I think Judge playing center field and Bader playing center field, you know, Judge is thinking, hey, I got this ball, forgetting kind of, you know, 
not forgetting to get out of the way, but you know what I mean? The hierarchy seemed to yeah, be but he hasn't played came with into play there. That's taken command and he did, and that's not a lot of time for him to be playing with Harrison Bader. He got healthy what the last month of the season. That's right. You know, and so. they and they're trying to figure it out. That's that play in uh, right center field where you've got, you know, yep. King Kong coming after, you know, uh, yep. you know, little guy and you'd almost kill yeah. him, but yeah, I, I agree with you in that. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so that's you know that's that's the Yankees. I don't know what their off season looks like. I mean, based on those quotes and based on what you heard, is it your opinion that Aaron Judge will not be a Yankee next year? I just have. I just, it's just a knee jerk gut reaction that he's not. I, I, you okay. talked about the dysfunction, and there's rumors coming out that Cashman and Boone are going to be coming back. You know, uh, I don't know if you saw any of the Michael K uh, snippets that have been going around the internet where he's just absolutely blasting Aaron Boone for talking about the 04 Boston Red Sox in the Yankee clubhouse when the Boston Red Sox beat the Yankees after going up 3 nothing in that series. That was a really awkward situation, and I, yeah. you know, at some point you've got to say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. But uh, rumor has that they're coming back. The dysfunction, the pressure—I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it almost sets up wonderfully for him to be able to make that exit and go somewhere else. But at the same time, every Yankee fan wants him to sign Verlander, Carlos Correa, Aaron Judge, and and call it a you know, let's see what we can do next year. But that's the whole mentality right. of New York is. Purchase everything you possibly can, and hopefully it goes well. Where you see other teams spend a lot of money, but they actually emphasize having a good culture. And I think the culture is a little amiss right now in New York. That's a great point. And you brought up the Michael K thing, which I didn't see, but I've heard him interviewed. I mean, what a homer, right? These guys are such homers. He like, eviscerated I think, Aaron Boone in yeah. that situation. It was unbelievable because he, well, it's you're terrible. Right, he is a homer. He's a homer. And here's the thing like, I, I realize like we're all the homers. old school people, right. We're all homers, but the old school folks do not like, um, you know, like the, like after a basketball game, the guys hugging each other or whatever, the guys that played on the Olympic team all together, the, or the guys him. like BS and during the, you know, BP batting practice, especially during championship series or whatever. It's like, dude, I played at LSU with the guy. Like I'm going to give him, I'm going to, you know, dap him up and then we're going to try and compete against each other. Like I, I it, you know, the Nolas went to LSU as did uh, Bregman, yeah. but you know, you're not like, I, I don't expect him not to say hello to the guy. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> You know, and the brothers were playing against each other. Are they not allowed to talk to each other during the series? Like Nolan, Nolan? No, it, there's a way to draw that line. And if Aaron mm -hmm. Boone got eviscerated, like I said, I didn't see it because it was a Red Sox comeback against the Yankees. I think you missed the friggin' point, which is, hey, <laughs> we're down 3-0. There are teams that have come back from this and you guys can do it. You got to do it one at bat, one run, one pitch at a time, yeah. right? I mean, isn't that the friggin' point he was making? He didn't care that it was a Red Sox. I mean, Dave Rock. Robert stole the base, but he now he's the manager for the Dodgers. He's not allowed to talk about stealing a base <laughs> against the Yankees and starting the, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, if that's what he blasted him about, I do not know. I missed the context. You can enlighten me. Aaron is allowed to talk about that game in the context of, hey, there are teams that have come back down from 3-0 and he wasn't rejoicing the Red Sox of victory. Jesus. Uh, rumor has he played video of it. Yeah. Does that I heard that mind? too. Yeah. No. I, I, Really? You mean because I mean, it's a against, pinstripe? That's what I'm yeah, saying. Because like, it happened against the Yankees. I think if it was Boston against Houston, they would have played it over and over and over again. If it was Boston gotcha. against, uh, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays, they would have played it over and over and over again. And said there's an yeah, opportunity, yeah. but I don't even, you know, there's such a there's, there's such a you know that that visceral reaction to your to your opponent and a rival on top of that to glorify them against you, I think is where he lost his mind, but that's where ah. part of that homerism comes in. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it's just, I'm making a point and this is the only time I can make a point. Like suppose they came back and won, right? Suppose now they're in game seven. Then are you glorifying? And he showed saying, that video. Man, then are you saying, job. talk to big yeah. copy about it, you know? Right. So anyway, I, I, I guess, when you talk about the video, that doesn't really change my opinion. That's a, t I mean, Good. each year is a different team and a different, you know, that's Babe Ruth got traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Do you not want Babe Ruth to like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, 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 it loses its luster when it's such a homer. Michael K. I've heard him talk before and I know he speaks glowingly of the Yankees. He's a diehard Yankee. As you said, we're all homers at heart. I'm a Giants homer. You're an Astros homer. I mean, I just, but doesn't that doesn't that whole thing circle back to what you mentioned earlier about the dysfunction? Because the media plays a role in that. 
you know, and yeah. as a player, if you have an option to go play somewhere else where you might be a little more protected, so to speak, yeah. and not have yeah. to be eviscerated for every little thing you do, wouldn't you? And you got the same money. Say you get the same money from New York and the same money from the Giants. You know, do, do, do you go to that next layer and say, well, the media is going to be a little more friendly over here? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think that's why, even though San Diego is now one of the top five payrolls, I think mm -hmm. that, you know, the Machados and, you know, maybe Soto ends up staying there, but certainly uh, Tatis Jr., like, they have something brewing there because it is such oh, a, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you played in San Diego, but I mean, and I live out here, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very mellow environment. It's got the SoCal yeah. vibe and totally. you can go out there and play in the, you know, National League West and, you know, you know, you're competing with the Dodgers, but you know, every year it could be the Rockies, maybe the Giants, maybe us. And you know, if their payroll's good and their talent's good, I mean, and pitchers love to pitch in that park. I just think, what would you choose? I would, for the same money, I get to play in New York or San Diego. I'm choosing San Diego or the or Bay my Area. Backyard for sure. where my family and friends are going to be, and my, you know, yeah. I'm going to have that support group and. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said. Everybody thinks that, you know, we're all hired mercenaries when you go out there and play <laughs> the game, but there are That's there right. are people behind these facades of yeah. of, you know, conquerors. You know, the, these yeah. guys are deep down, they're humans and they want to be able to, yeah. you know, feel supported, loved and cherished instead of going out there when you go for four and they you, you know, in New York you get the what the f is wrong with this guy whereas in right. San Francisco, San Diego, you might be like Hey, it's a little bit of a funk. He'll come out of it. It'll be all right. You yeah. know, if he just changed a little bit to his swing and the, this did that, as opposed to the immediate, what's wrong with this effing guy? You know, it's a little harsh. Yeah. Well, if you hit 320 with 62 home runs and I'm pitching against you, I'm going to pitch my ass off. I'm going to be very careful with how I pitch you. You're going to, yeah, right. So they always talk about that when you're, you know, hey, they're coming off a mm -hmm. bye or whatever. Like, you know, you're going to get everybody's best shot. Guess what Aaron Judge got in the playoffs? He got yeah, everybody's best shot. So yeah. anyway. No. All right. So maybe stuff. we should do a little uh, World Series preview. Um, yeah. And then like... And then I'll just ask you a couple questions about the future of the Astros, and I think we can close it out. So tell me your initial thoughts, because we already touched on a little bit of my instinct here, and I'm trying to be unbiased, but it is difficult to play a hot team. But mm. when you have two mm. hot teams and one of them has pitching and defense, like, I mean, on paper, I know what the answer mm. is. But, I mean, what are your, do you truth. have any concerns about yeah. uh, the Phillies? Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah, totally oh, yeah, do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, that, that's the problem is, you know, so with the lockout situation, if the lockout didn't happen, the Astros would have played Philadelphia Phillies in the first series of the year. With the lockout, it forced that series to the last series of the year. Now, the Phillies come in, clinch, pop bottles of champagne because they clinched a wild card berth and got into the playoffs in Houston. The next two games in that series, I mean, you're throwing B teams out there. JV striking out 19 guys, it felt like, in his start. Framber Valdez looks wonderful, but he wasn't facing that Phillies lineup that is playing now. And that's where the concern is for me is they've got to completely adjust, forget about those three games at the end of the season against the Philadelphia Phillies because that is not the Phillies. The Phillies are the team that is playing right now. The, this is that Phillies team that everybody expected under Joe Girardi, but Rob Thompson, the quote-unquote interim manager that is now the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, has got these guys all pedaling in the right direction. It's unbelievable to watch. So I do fear the heat of this team and the confidence. They've seen what it's like to play in that fervent environment of Philadelphia, how they can get behind their players. You know, it's going to be another rough environment for the Houston Astros to go on the road, but it doesn't really seem to phase them at all. But to Tuttle's point, as well as the Phillies are swinging the bat, as well as they can pitch, the Astros are superior defensively. The Astros are superior as far as their pitching staff. I think they're 100% more deep than the Philadelphia Phillies because once you get past Nola, once you get past Wheeler, what do you do? And then if you can get those early leads, you avoid Sir Anthony. And Alvarado in that bullpen, you got to face some different guys. So I think the strategy is going to be score as early as you can if you're the Astros to take that lead and then lean on that pitching staff to shut games down and use that defense to suppress any opportunity 
to go out there and score runs. And I think it's paramount for the Astros, if they do give up home runs, give up the solo variety. Because you know as well as I do that if you give up the two-run, three-run home runs, those are some devastating blasts. But if they can keep those to solo blasts, they've got a real chance in this series. But I'm saying Astros in six. Nice. That's the number I was sitting on. You don't Aye. want it to go to seven, but I think Astros in six. I, I I agree. The problem I have, and I can't. I mean, I can't think the Phillies are going to win the World Series. I mean, it's just not. It's not in. You know, is if they get hot, you know, it it could be you know Phillies in six or seven, but it's going to be six games for sure. Um, well, not necessarily, but five or six games for <laughs> sure. Um, but but I will say I think Astros and six is the right call. Uh, you you brought up some really good points about the pitching, the defense. I still go back to there was a fantastic article on the Athletic, and I'm terrible, and I'm you know you're an Astros guy, but their bullpen, the Astros bullpen. I mean, I didn't realize because this is this is actually I don't know if it's the advantage of the national broadcast because the national broadcast, like I said, they lose all of your luster and you and TK and Julia and the insight and all that. But those stats just seem bigger on the national broadcast. And they brought out guys like that would be closing on other teams. You know, yeah. you have Naris come out and you have Montero come out and you have, Stank. you know, Stanek, the Allman brothers, man. Yeah. Stanek had a, Stanek had, did he have a 1 1 5 this year or something? Yeah, or like no, was it 2 1 5? Yeah, he gave up one run in the last he, week and it jumped it to 1 oh, 3, but he had the best ERA as a reliever in Astros history. That's, yeah, in Astros history. And it's like, is he the closer? Nah, not really. I mean, it just depends. Yeah, maybe you're six or seven it depends. guy. <laughs> That's right. You have Montero, Stanek, Neris, Presley. Like, yeah, I mean, these guys would be closing. And then I go back to the Mariners series where you guys went 18 innings and you had Garcia throw six shutout innings out of the bullpen. Urquidy hasn't fair. even sniffed the mound. It's not fair because you'll go, like you said, Verlander, um, Fromber, and then you have McCullers who, you know, they keep showing the highlight of the 24 straight curveballs he threw, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago. But McCullers who cold weather didn't pitch that great, you still get five or six. And, and this mm -hmm. is something we have not talked about. I get fired up is... <laughs> The Astros have the deepest pitching staff, which can, you know, certainly uh, stifle hot hitting. But they have, I mean, they have a manager who lets the guys friggin' pitch. I, he he doesn't have a the very good point. He, he lets. Them he go. doesn't have the earpiece or the <laughs> iPad or the or the stats <laughs> like guy that we joke podcast. about, right? Yeah. Mark Pryor. <laughs> Who's that guy that stands right between Mark Pryor and Dave Roberts? I've never seen that guy before. He looks a little short to be an ex-ball player. Like, yeah, he's the stats guy. So. Anyway, I just think that that is the key to the series. And if Dusty, which he does, I mean, he let McCullers go out there in the fifth inning and get out of some jams. And now you're into the sixth inning in kind of a, you know, 3-3, three, 4-3, three, three, mm -hmm. 5-4 game. And, and it never felt... It never felt tenuous. And I think we talked about the microscope in New York and we talk about the analytics. That's the key... And this will transition into the last question I have for you. That's the key to keeping an even keel clubhouse and a su successful clubhouse and good team chemistry is to kind of build that trust and faith in everybody. And if mm -hmm. Dusty doesn't look panicked and he leaves McCullers in there, who's still got decent stuff, and McCullers gives up four and he still leaves the game losing and it's 4-3 in the fifth inning – Nobody panicked. Nobody looked nervous. I mean, mm -mm. the Dodgers would have been on their third pitcher by the fourth inning, and then what, <laughs> right? And then where does that get you? So my question is, if Dusty Baker wins the World Series, this is the big question, and yeah. I guess Jim Click as well, because we talked earlier about what the vibe around the team is. Mm -hmm. Does he come back as the manager of the Houston Astros next year, or do they give him like special assistant to the president of the general manager uh, under undersecretary, and then bring him back, and so that he still has his hand on the team? But I'd be curious to know yeah. what you think are the Astros and win or lose. I mean, Dusty, it would be so great for Dusty to win one as a manager. I got to say, as an ex-Giants manager, and he was so mm -hmm. close in 2002, I'd yeah. love to see him win, to be honest with you, as I know you would. Yeah, so the situation is there's a couple of contracts expiring with Dusty and James Click, and they're, they, I don't know if they were negotiating extensions during the season, but it didn't get done. And I think once you got to the postseason, Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, kind of said, you know what, let's hit the brakes, let's win a world championship, and then we will we will continue the conversation. So I know that's what's going on, but Dusty 
if there's anybody where, I mean, Dusty's obviously in a more favorable position because he has his hands on this team and he is, like Tuttle just said, putting them in a position to win a World Series. And the idea always is go out on top. And I don't know if that's Dusty's idea. He's mentioned a couple times, once you win one, you want to win two. But I think he's a Hall of Famer. He's a little bit older. If he gets that World Series championship in a perfect world, he raises the trophy, announces a retirement, takes an baseball ambassadorship with the Houston Astros, and just kind of sits next to the trophy, shaking hands and telling some phenomenal stories like he always does, and says, this is how I got this team to win. This is what it means for the franchise. This is what it means for me. And in five years, when he's eligible for the Hall of Fame, he is writing his speech in the next five years, and he shows up in Cooperstown, and we praise the guy for having a Hall of Fame career. I think that's, in my mind, I think that's the ideal, you know, perfect scenario because he he gets to witness it and be there. And who's to say, you know, what happens, you know, if he wins the trophy, retires, and Darren Baker makes it to the big leagues in the next five years, guess who gets to be sitting there front row watching his son play big league ball? Dusty. So, I mean, it's just all this feel-good stuff for me is just kind of coming out like these movie endings. Yeah. I'm always the guy that's like, I want to, I want the, I want the joyous ending. I want the happy ending in film where everybody rides off into the sunset and lives happily ever after. But, uh, you know, that's to be determined. James Click has, you know, what, what has he done to keep himself here? I guess would be the question. Has he done enough? And that's up to Jim Crane to answer. I don't know. I don't know what that answer is, but it's hard to, it's hard to have these conversations when you have a world series championship type team. And that's where the tough spot's going to be for the owner. Yeah, no, I agree. But there had to be some inkling or some um, some underbelly discussions because why didn't they get the yeah. contracts done if they looking at it? And, and you know, Dusty makes we more sense to your point. Know, but you're right. right. I, I believe the conversations were being had, yeah. Of course. But also, like with Dusty, you see it differently because of his age and his experience. True. And I mean that in the best way. He's a great storyteller. And I love the fact, and I probably have grown to like him more now as an older manager than he was with the Giants because he's a he's a really tried and true baseball guy. Mm. But the fact that the analytics don't seem to get in the way of his instincts and his feelings and his, true. And his love for the guys. Like, I mean, I think the guys really respect oh, him. Absolutely. They respect respect him and trust him and any relationship, whether it be personal, marriage, any of that stuff, it works better when you have trust and care between all of the people. And I thought Bregman, you know, Bregman did a really good job at his interviews after the uh, series um, against the Yankees. And they were like, did, did this mean more? Did this whatever? And he just, and I, I know part of it was media speak, but part of it was genuine in that, you know, he, he said this wasn't about the Yankees fans booing us. This wasn't about the chip on our shoulder. I mean, there's always that. We've talked about it. That's there all the time mm-hmm. in their gut. But this was about the guys in the clubhouse. This was like, this is a great team. I love coming to work with these guys. We all pick each other up. And I just felt I felt that from him. I felt like it was more genuine. And I think Dusty fosters that. But yeah. at his age, to your point... I think I would, the story would be, hey, I won it. I finally, I won a couple as a player. I finally won one as a manager. I'm going to ride off into the sunset. I mean, somebody will give him a job, like you said, special assistant to the, you know, undersecretary mm-hmm. of the, you know, <laughs> manager of the something. And yep. he could get paid. And like you said, be in the Hall of Fame as a as a player w- winning a World Series um, and as a manager winning a World Series. Jim Click's a little bit younger. And I do think you mentioned already, you know, going to four out of six World Series and six out of six uh, ALCS championships is different because they did it before Jim and they might be able to do it after Jim. So, <laughs> I, you know, or James. Yeah. True. So it, it, it is interesting, but, you know, I guess only the hot stove will tell us that. And it would be nice to see the uh, Astros hoist the trophy. Yeah. Um, you know, I have no skin in the game except for, you know, your skin in the game. And, you know, that Phillies. You know, I, I think they're a nice story, but I think this is the Astros year and it'd be nice to see them lift the trophy. It would be. We got a couple minutes left in this podcast. Tuttle this week in fantasy football. Ooh. I mean, I should be on here gloating and bragging Ouch. and 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 basking in the glory of my victory, but it was a it was a narrow victory. 
because my boy Mahomes was throwing everything to Kelsey and uh, who's a Schuster Smith that you had? <laughs> Schuster, Smith Schuster, yeah. Yeah, Smith Schuster. I was like, what the heck? Every time I, I was like, yeah, touchdown, Patrick. Damn it, he threw it to Kelsey again. <laughs> I was like, dude. But uh, the, 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 the bangers overcame adversity on Monday night with uh, – Ramondre and uh, I don't even know who my defense was, but uh, you had the Patriots defense, did? which didn't do anything. Okay. Yeah, they, they didn't do anything. yeah, you didn't even know. That's what I said. They were going backwards. They had five points and three points, but Ramondre they kept giving him the ball. Thank Actually, God. they threw him the ball, which won you the game. They well, kept know, throwing you know him the ball. What's funny about that is I'm watching that game and they threw the pass early on, and poor Mac Jones. I mean, he got overshadowed in this game big time yeah. by Zappy. But uh, he got zapped. But when they threw that pass early in the game, I think it was a little like, you know, uh, bubble screen out to the left or maybe in front of the line. And he clanked it. I was like, yes, because I knew Stevenson (laughs) was going to get the ball after that. It's so bad because that's true Belichick form. He's like, dude, you dropped it, beat it. Yeah. No, it is. And you, yeah, it was Ramondre the rest of the night and that took you to victory. <laughs> I appreciate your humility because um, I feel the same way in terms of like, I, you know, yeah, I wanted to win, but that's because I had won two in a row and I hadn't won one in like three years, it seems like. But I I cannot believe my team's in 11th place. I'm the fifth highest scoring team you in the league or fourth. still more points than I do. Yeah, and I just need to, I just, you know, it's one game losing streak. I just got to string a few together. If I win like the next three in a row, I'll feel like, you know, there is nobody running away with it, by the way. No, I just look and right. I'm like, oh, 11th place sucks, but you're in like third place at four and three. I think it's like and five and two, five and two, yeah, four and three, four and exactly. three, two and five, two and five. Yeah, so it's like, you know, it's all the world up. is still the world is still available to me to get into the playoffs, yeah. which is my goal. But and, uh, and a little it's been back, a struggle. A little pat on the back for Tuttle. Your background is phenomenal on this podcast. If you check us out on YouTube, <laughs> you're going to be able to check out the background for Tuttle, who stepped it up with the Santa Clara and then just blew the doors off the podcast with the Team USA jersey. Dude, that is phenomenal. <laughs> well, I was just copying you. I got to turn this thing around. I got, I think. Yeah, go ahead and show the stitched on. on. Yep, that. Yep, that's David Tuttle. Yeah. I'm Check just, him out. I'm only look showing it because look at you. Look at you. Lean this way. You got to no, the other one's got a Blum 27. There you go. See, I got it. I got to This is keeping up with the Joneses is what it is. Speaking <laughs> of shirts and swag, I think Ramos is sending me. I need a like a yeah, keep booing shirt or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I even this like the uh, tight. I like this. This shirt is nice. Too. Oh, dude, I want that uh-huh. shirt, too. Yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, all right. Ramos sent us sign. that one. Yeah, I like that's that. a good one. But uh, my daughter is wearing the Altuve jersey you sent her three years ago, and it is a little. It's it's a little on the small side, and she's like, "I want to wear one for the World Series." And I said, "Look, I'm not going to bother Jeff, especially on the podcast, but I will mention it to him." I think the hardest part isn't for you to be generous and send it some. It's like, "What's your address again, Tuttle? Where? How do I get it to the UPS?" Like that's the pain <laughs> yeah. in the ass part of it. But hey, I'll I'll front you the cash well, if you want to send me a, a couple of. On the, on the, on there the you daughter. go. Yeah. Well, they're not even kids anymore. You can imagine, right? I'm yeah, sure your daughters are Astros fans at this said time. The kids, of year. and then I'm like, oh wait, the, yeah. your, your daughter can you know, be a little more yes, age that's appropriate. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, are you going to? Uh, I know you're going to attend, but you will attend a game, right? Your family. Yeah, wants I'm going to be go. there it's early a family for game affair. one. Yeah, I'm going to be on local nice. uh, here, KPRC channel two. I'm going to be doing some pre gaming nice. stuff with them, and then uh, obviously nice. radio show still going. And nice. uh, yeah, I'll be there cheering and chugging. Nice. Cheering and chugging. That's the best time of year. You don't have to be yeah. on the broadcast. Let's see the St. Arnold. Maybe didn't last year, didn't they get you chugging on uh, something? No, yeah. you were chugging uh, not a St. Arnold beer. That's from the huh, That's from the Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I tried it with anyway, an Arcar right. IPA and I about choked. Ooh, that was a little, yeah. That's a little too heavy to be chugging. Woo. I agree Eyes with that. Eyes were watering. Whew. But you did it for the team. Yeah, for the you team. took one I'm for the team, team blubber. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we both have Astros and six. I wish there was a lot more uh, drama, but I do think the pitching and defense, I mean, God, yeah. that's the theme of this podcast, pitching and defense. Dude, that's all we got. I mean, that's all we got, folks. So tune in for episode <laughs> 205 when we'll talk about pitching and defense. <laughs> um, Blummer, that's it. Hey, we want to give yeah. a shout out to all the first responders fire, police personnel, uh, military around the world who uh, keep us safe and out of harm's way, uh, teachers, healthcare workers. 
um, you know, the usual folks that uh, do things that we're not always willing to do so that we can do this podcast. And uh, hopefully some of you get to attend the uh, World Series there in Houston and or Philadelphia. Um, if you're over the age of 45, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. Blummer. What do you say we get after it? And I want everybody at home to believe it. Believe it. Yeah, keep booing. <laughs> While the Astros take home the crown.